Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello, and it's good to have you back with us if you have been with us before. And to those of you who may be coming for the first time, thanks for joining us. We hope you'll come back many more times. But we're here with Digging Deeper in Grace. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan. And back again at the table with me today is Jeremy Kimball. It's been a little while since Jeremy's been with us, but Jeremy and I will be discussing the sermon that he shared with our church this past Sunday. That's a message from God's Word in Genesis chapters 15 and 16. So, Jeremy, great to have you back with us. We've missed you. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad to be able to have a chance to uh, proclaim God's word this past Sunday. And it's great to, uh, again, just think through some more matters we can pull out from these texts. It's just beautiful things to look at. And if we were going in video today or by photograph, uh, I'd certainly be focusing right on that good beard, that summer beard you've got going on. Hey, yeah. You know, I was gone for a little vacation. I thought, why not try it? So... (laughs) There it is. <laughs> I can't get past two weeks. Oh, it tears me up. But anyway, <laughs> on to on to the matters of the day. And I got to tell you, preparing for last week was a lot easier than this week. Daniel Ackerman and I talked a little mm. bit about, well, talked a lot about chapter, first part of chapter 15, the Song of Moses. We're right. talking about praising God, the importance of songs, memorializing uh, deliverance from God. This week, we're talking about grumbling. And I must say, it was a little convicting. I had to come face to face with some things in my life. Yeah, I mean, praise is one of those things we see so often in the Bible, all throughout the Psalter, in various places. And you say, we sing songs, we praise the Lord in many ways. But the idea of praising as a way of protecting us from grumbling and the kind of ways we can see that in our lives. I probably heard most in terms of comments this past week, man, that definition, it's unbelief made visible, was what really got into people's minds and hearts, I think, and mine too. And uh, just trying to recognize what grumbling actually is is a a needful thing, but a hard thing to hear. Well, and so many of us have so much experience with it. Indeed, yeah. No doubt. <laughs> well, let's jump into it here. I guess say after such an incredible victory, such as what the Israelites experienced in chapter 14, that's God's parting the, the Red Sea, total domination over Pharaoh's army, his cavalry. I probably, if I were reading this for the first time, i got to think, I might have expected God to start out this journey by continuing to show them his provision. Okay, I've rescued you, and now I'm going to take good care of you. I'm going to give you all the water you need, all the food you need. But it appeared to the people of God after this great victory that God had, if not abandoned them, he'd certainly left them out on their own. Hmm. No provision of potable water, no food. Why do you think he wasn't more proactive, God, more proactive, as we might look at it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good last phrase, Bart, because as we might think of it, because there's no doubt God is active. He's just not always active in the ways that I would want him to be or in the time that I'd want him to be. But uh, chapter 15, verse 25, is clear to say, There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them. That word tested is found again in chapter 16 and later on in the Old Testament as well. The reason why I think God provided this great victory but now is is bringing some need into their lives, it's very palpable, is he's testing their faith to see, will you trust me or will you operate in unbelief even after all that you've seen? And testing by way of God is always for our good, it's always for our growth, but it may not feel 
loving and good in the process, but these are ways to establish us in our faith, to grow us in our faith, to make us stronger in him as believers. Hmm. Now, as you're saying that, it takes me back to my days of raising younger children. Hmm. Uh, More than one time, children or kids would come up to us and, well, Dad, why can't we do that? Or we don't have enough money to do it. I say, no, it's not about the money. Sometimes it's okay to go without or go with a little less. It'll teach you things that you're not going to get taught by having the best and the brightest all the time. Yeah, we're trying to father in the same way it sounds like. So yes, we, we try to think through ways of withholding because you know at the end of the day, and God knows this infinitely better than we do, What's better for you than having everything provided easily for you is your growth in character. So now God is beginning this process. I call this in the, in the sermon the slow grind of the wilderness. Mm. Now after all the fireworks of plagues and Red Sea partings and all this, he's saying, okay, now we're going to be in this place for a time and you need to learn to trust me. Because in a land where I'll say you're a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, you must be a set-apart people. That means you got to be a tested people. Well, let's go down that thread a little bit. Now, you focused at one point in your message on Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and mm-hmm. following. You, you pointed out that God introduces purposeful tensions, trials, testings. Let's keep with the T's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you introduce those, he introduces those into each believer's life, and, he, and he, it's a, a point to examine ourselves. And then I jotted down in my notes, maybe you said that, I didn't go back to listen again, but I I think uh, you may have said something that examining ourselves uh, during this tension Mm -hmm. in the context of who God is brings clarity to the situation and to my response to the testing. So now these past two episodes, we've talked about the importance of developing a proper theology of God, Hmm. uh, both last week with Daniel and then two weeks ago with Chris uh, Miller and Tim Cockrell as we were talking through the recent Roe v. Wade decision or the Mm -hmm. Dobbs decision, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, throwing out the Roe v. Wade from 1973. But seems like here we are again, you know, the proper theology of God. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, of course, the idea of our living rightly before God presupposes we know who God is and worship God for who he is. There's a verse in Isaiah, for example, that says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Hmm. That means if I meditate on God's character, that's a pathway to actually experiencing peace even in these difficult circumstances of testing. So it does come back to God's character, God's promises, God's word to say, will I turn back to him? If I turn into myself, Bart, there's not a whole lot of strength within me to find all the wisdom I need or have all the the strength I need to face these things, it's found in God's provision to us. So we recognize God as a just and merciful and gracious and loving God who does provide for his people and who does work in them to bring about growth in their lives, which requires testings at various points. So it puts those testings into context when we know who God is, when yes. we recognize so, it, and we can recite that to ourselves. That's right. And you remember the fact that the testings that are coming our way from God are not coming from a vindictive God. Right. They're not coming from a God who is out to get us, out to slap us around. They're coming from a God who has our best interests in mind. 
who loves us. And every good parent, at least when I was growing up, I, I would receive discipline at times, and my father would say words, something like, I'm doing this because I love you. And you may have questioned that as a child, <laughs> right? But God, as our, our infinitely perfect father, says, I'm doing this in the perfectly proportioned way for your your custom-built sanctification, if you will, because I love you. And uh, we need to trust that in his character. Being an athlete in my younger days, I'm not much of an athlete these days, but the point is I can remember uh, playing football Mm -hmm. under a coach who uh, I hold in high esteem still today. But I can go back today. I know I could go back to that playbook today that we ran. It wasn't a a super big playbook. Yep. I believe, as a, and I was a quarterback, I could choreograph each, not as quickly as I did before, but I could choreograph each of those plays. I could actually conduct those plays today. Hmm. And why was it? We went over it and went over it and went over it. And it was rote, rote memorization, training my body. Mm-hmm. And that's, that sounds like that's what you're talking about here, training our mind to think about who yeah. God is, even in the tough circumstances. Yeah, that's right. It is that idea of the renewing of the mind in Romans 12 too. Don't mm-hmm. be conformed. This will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the renewal of the mind, I think a lot of people think like, oh, Bible data. Well, yes, but it's the Bible content that is getting us at God's character, God's right. will, God's essence, like who he is. So yes, can I, I was telling my classes on Sunday after I, I taught after I preached on Sunday, and I was telling them, oftentimes when difficulties arise, we can become practical atheists. We just forget that God even exists and we respond negatively. Right. And and you're right, Bart. The the discipline and the wherewithal to remind ourselves at all times of who God is and what he's promised and what his word says, so that when those times come, we don't think twice. Our instinct is to have a renewed mind that goes right to those truths. That's what we need. And how sweet it is to be able to be with someone who's going through those struggles, those trials. What a testimony when they can respond. In with a a clear heart, yes. Uh, whether it's the car just went down, or whether it's the husband or the wife just went down, yeah. Uh, yeah. They can say, uh, you know, like, not what did Job say? You know, yeah. God gives and God takes away. Blessed, Blessed be, be the name, name of the Lord. Lord. Yeah, Amen, Amen. And you, you've been around those people. Oh, I have too. They're, what it, a blessing! It's always a testament of God's beautiful faithfulness in those ways. I want to do that well. I want to die well. Yeah. That's that. I think that's a supreme, a supreme triumph for uh, God in my life, or me and God, uh, would be to die well. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we've seen people here at this church do that. We've seen people walk through cancer well. We've seen people wa- walk through loss really well. Yeah. And and you look at it and say, there's no worldly explanation for that. It's always going to come back to, yeah, the grace of God in life and the fact that this person is deeply rooted in the Bible in such a way that they know God. There you go. That's, that's the key. Okay, so let's, let's take the other side of that. So if a large part of having the right response to trials is understanding who God is, wouldn't it be just as true that a uh, good part of that success comes from also recognizing who I am? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Theology so, of me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that can that can sound like, well, I don't want to be me-centered, but we need to know who we are in Christ. So, I mean, going back to Genesis 1, we are created beings. We're not self-made beings. Right. That that 
that's both a comfort and a challenge to humility, right? Um, we are created in God's image, right? We are made not like animals, not like plants. We are made in the very image of God to reflect his character and his essence in that way. Um, we're made male and female. We're made to work and for community. We're made in these ways. That's who we are. And then to get into the New Testament as well and to know, man, in Christ, we are bought, redeemed, adopted, sanctified, justified, elect. All these beautiful Ephesians 1, 3 to 14 mm-hmm. kinds of benefits that are there are true of who we are. And so it's not meant to puff us up, but it is meant to ground us in, since I am, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. I'm going to respond to this in this kind of a way. So again, here's the problem. We have we have God amnesia and self amnesia, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, Paul Tripp talks a lot about this in his books. And we need to work hard. And, and so we need community too, Bart. I need you and you need me and we need others to remind us, this is who you are in Christ. This is who God in Christ is toward you. And to know those things, be reminded and say, that's right. I needed to hear that. It brings back a peace and a calm and a, a, a confident faith to respond again. Well, we were Sandy and I were her and my wife were taking a walk yesterday and we were going through that. Uh, one of us was building the other one up mm-hmm. about uh, okay, there's some just maybe thinking some wrong thoughts or asking some wrong questions to say, "No, you got this. You and God got this." Mm-hmm. Or we as a, mm-hmm. as a couple and God have right. this. We we need to respond rightly. Yeah. And I think there's no I'm not trying to be prideful there but to say, "No, this is Genuinely, who you are, and we do embrace our identity uh, drives and determines our activity. Right for Christ. Right. So, want reactivity that flows from our identity, but it always flows our identity in Christ. Always flows from the identity of Christ. So, you're right. Start with God, and move to us, and then move to how do I respond? Right. Yeah. Well, and you you talked about Romans chapter twelve. It, it's mm-hmm. a passage, honestly, that came to my mind even as I was preparing to come and talk with you today, and that is the the idea of that transformation through the renewing of our mind. How is our mind renewed? Mm-hmm. It's renewed through the scriptures. Um, as we are, you talk about uh, you know, just it's not all data. It's not all yes. Bible data, but that Bible data and the acknowledgement of it, right? It does produce change in us yes. when we when we absorb it and we practice it. Yeah, that, that's, that's a tangent perhaps, but it's it's one that I, I want to say again and again to myself and to whoever might listen to these kinds of things is just that the Bible is not meant to up our Bible trivia game, right? It is meant to draw us toward Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, where it says, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom or the mighty man in his might or the rich man in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this that he knows and understands me, declares the Lord. That's a relational knowing. Right. right? It's a relational kind of a knowing. It's not just a, hey, I, I can quote verses and say these things. It is really good and needful to read and study and meditate on and memorize scripture. But the end of that is always aimed at knowing God. And I, I need to hear that again and again because I can check boxes. And that's not going to sustain me in the difficult times. In times of testing, what will sustain me or you or anybody else is I've been in the word in such a way as to know God and relate to God and be convinced of who he is as the Bible portrays him and say, I'm going to walk in faith before him. And we've talked through the uh, through the ever since we started with Exodus, how this is a a pattern. This is a type, really. This story is a type of Jesus's rescuing yes. us from the slavery of yes. sin. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. In that type, 
we are the Israelites, are we not? And throughout this passage, and we're going to continue to see it throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then on end to Joshua and Judges, I pointed out uh, the that last passage or that last uh, uh, verse in Judges is what? There was no king in Israel, yep. and every man did what was right in his own eyes. This is us. Yep, that's right. We are, we are now, First Peter 2 says, sojourners and strangers. Uh, Jesus is our true food and drink. And, and that's the, the type of actually pointing forward to our realities now as new covenant believers. And so now we have Christ. He is that food and drink we need. And uh, we are in a world where we are sojourners and strangers, and we are on our way to a promised new creation. That's, that is our story, Bart. It's, uh, we're right there with him. Well, one of your final points on Sunday was that we need to develop what you called, I'm quoting here, trusting speaking patterns. Yes. You noted, for example, that lament is the right way to. Is that a holy grumbling? I don't know. Is that if you can say that? Mm -hmm. But it it is the right way to express our frustrations and our needs. And of course, Daniel, last week we talked a little bit about this. can you dig a little deeper into that comment, that trusting speaking patterns, and give some practical examples on how anyone can do that, how anyone can develop those trusting speaking patterns? Yeah. Well, uh, I think that it's it's difficult to find. It's a fine line, I guess I'd say, between um, grumbling and lamenting. <laughs> but that, that quote I shared at the end, I was trying to convey that Lament is going to orient back toward trust in God and push me closer to God, whereas grumbling is going to remain in unbelief. Hmm. So how does how does uh, my lament for the Lord end? Right? How, how does it how does it end in that kind of a way? And so that's a key thing to keep in mind in that regard, and just try to think through. Um, how do I walk through this situation, whatever it is, any kind of loss we're dealing with, how do I do that well and speak honestly? There, there's lots of honest speaking in the Bible before God to say, Lord, you, you know what's going on. Many Psalms, and you ask me, how to do this better? I would say turn to the Psalms, particularly lament Psalms. So let me, let me read one. It's very brief. Mm-hmm. This is Psalm 13. I think you'll hear and hear the, the language of lament, but the turn of the heart toward faith in God. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel of my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? That's David talking, very honestly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then he says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. So he says his lament. Here's my... My issue, Lord, he now offers a prayer to God, a very specific, I, I'm needing for you to do this in this way. And then in verse 5, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Just six verses, but two verses on lament, two verses on I'm praying for this, and then two, but God, I trust you. I trust you. That's a lament. And again, I need people to help me get there sometimes right our wives are probably first order for in terms of our lives to say hey help me get there more quickly than i would otherwise but we have friends that do that for us as well because my heart can be like israel's and turn toward that but um i i think it's a good example of that psalm psalm 13 there are many other psalms that are instructive to here's how you do this 
pray one of those lament psalms and pray it continually to the Lord and, and see how he responds in those ways. There, there's a, a good book as well that I'd recommend by a guy named Mark Rogop. I always mess up the title. Uh, I think it's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies. It's the name of the, t- the book. And uh, it's about lament. And I think he did a great job of trying to portray, here's what it looks like to not complain, but to come to the Lord honestly, but then have those confident, trusting words coming from us in the end to say, I trust you in this. Uh, though it is difficult, tears are coming down my eyes. I'm going to trust you and know this is, this is good. And the test for us, wouldn't you say, is where do we go first when something happens? Mm. I mean, we, we're we never going to have it perfect. I mean, we're no. never going to always respond perfectly this side of heaven. No. Thanks but, for saying that. That's but, true. But I think of David. I think of Psalm 51. That's yep. where my heart went. Mm. And, and Psalm 51 is David's response to Nathan's accusing him of being the one who had stolen the sheep, if you go right. back there yep. into that, yep. that uh, story. and. David immediately, it seems like, just broke down. Hmm. Now, we don't know the, the, all of the timing right, there, right. but it was pretty soon after. He responded yeah. right away. He Now, here we've got a man who's after God's own heart, but shouldn't we all be that? Yep. And shouldn't our immediate response be great lament, great sorrow when we have displeased God? Yeah, so when we talked as a class on Sunday um, – I encouraged our people. I do this a lot. I, I said, this requires like that kind of community where that would happen, where I could be confronted or encouraged and respond in the right kind of a way, requires that we're known. Mm. I said in my class, and I told them, and I'll say it here too, I, it's fine to say, I made a beeline after the service was done on Sunday to Bob Biker, and I was so encouraged mm. by the 32nd, yeah. exhortation he gave on yeah. Sunday to just say, let's live in this church without a facade and let's just live before one another and, and let's encourage one another so that if, for example, grumbling does come up, it's known we can comm- like, encourage one another, exhort one another, correct one another, commend one another when we need to as well and uh, help one another to walk in those paths of godliness. And I just, I hugged him. Mm-hmm. after this, I'm like, you said in 30 seconds, um, in some ways better than 40 minutes took to say some things. That, that, that was the heart of saying, like, so let's move toward that to be able to press against grumbling in our spirits that can come out in our, our words. And I was really appreciative of that. And, and being known. Boy, we can go down a long path there, but I would like to hit a couple steps down that path. Being known means not only when things are great, but when things are really, you're struggling letting it be known and just saying, I'm struggling here, guys. We had in our uh, adult Bible fellowship, uh, I'm teaching and somebody just raised their hand, I I got a problem. And they shared their problem. Amen. And and don't we all? Yeah. But this is just a grievous, grievous problem Mm -hmm. uh, shared with prayer request. And I just, I mean, having gone through some of the same kind of struggles, I teared up and it was hard to Mm -hmm. talk at that time. But Mm -hmm. those are the things that break down the barriers that we raise between ourselves, right? Because yeah. oh, yeah. we all want to be thought to be the great spiritual uh, mountain man we all want to or look mountain like, woman. We uh, all want to look like we have it together. Yeah. We all want to look as though I've got everything together. I, I recall all my life going to church my entire life and um, smiles on everyone's faces and how are you? Great, how are you? Great. I'm like, I'm not sure everybody's always great, you know? <laughs> What's wrong with me? I, I know. So... 
Um, and we don't we don't want to be. And, and here's the flip side: we don't want to be just whining to one another, complaining. Right. Like, oh my, there's a so line hard. there, of course. But just say, hey, I want to be able to uh, exhort and be exhorted day after day, so we're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 12, uh, three twelve and thirteen say. And just continue to help one another in that kind of a way to just speak the word over each other. Mm-hmm. And I was reading this this week, and it's so helpful to me. How can I pray for you? And just those simple questions and comments right. can be so uplifting to those around us. And just to encourage our people, we do this. I, it's done to me. So it gets done in this church a lot. I would just say, like, Paul, let's excel still more in that regard. There is a there's a he's now deceased, but a beloved basketball coach here in our little village. He had a saying. If it's to be, it's up to me. Oh, and yeah. this is a—it's a great basketball, football, great, oh, yeah. uh, great, One of those great mottos. Get right? out there and get in there. But in the Christian life, yeah. talk to the person who wants to live by that credo. If it's to be, it's up to me. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think a lot about the the um, the partnership of Philippians two twelve and thirteen, where it says, mm-hmm. "Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling." Which some people can just like, that's that bird. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm gonna yeah. do this. And you and I get that mentality, right? Sure, that we idea. all do. And then the next verse though says, yeah. "For it is God <laughs> who is at work in you, both to will and work for His good pleasure." And Paul, by the way, if we want to go back to Romans chapter twelve, yeah, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's right after a really key passage. It's all about God. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Same uh, thing. Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen, "I worked harder than any of them." <laughs> Nevertheless, it's not I have the grace of God that's in me. Okay, so we get this theme to say work, work, work hard, yes. Always recognize life, breath, and everything, Acts 17 says, comes from the Lord. Any effort I can give, any you know uh, words I can speak on a Sunday morning. I, I, I biked today 17 miles. Because God was kind to give me life and muscle and ability to do that, that kind of stuff. It's God's grace and God's gift to us. That shouldn't temper our ambition, but it should humble us in our ambitions right. and aim our ambitions to be God-centered. Right. So that that's the difference in terms of, I, I'm not anti-ambition. I'm for like, go get it. Right, go get it. I tell my kids this all the time, um, but I want to say it's from God, all things, including your ability to do these things, and it's for God. If those are missing, if one or both of those are missing, then we're not doing those kinds of things in a Christian manner. And the going back to that saying, there, are, everybody is a theologian. Whether mm-hmm. you're the question is, are you a good one or a bad one? Right. We talked about having a proper theology, a theology of God, a proper theology of me. And in that, what you're saying, just it is up to me to a certain extent to respond using what God has given us. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. All things come from Him. Every good, every perfect gift comes from above. Right. And always, yeah. And last one, like First Corinthians four. There's a verse there. It says, "What do you have that you did not receive?" It's a question, but of course, the answer is it's somewhat rhetorical. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Everything I have is a, a gift from God, so we should recognize it. Recognize yeah. it as such. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. A great time to talk. And uh, I'd encourage anybody who has questions, comments, certainly we'll mention this here in a couple moments, but get those comments to us. I know uh, we would love to sit down with you and talk further on these passages. Jeremy, thanks. Yeah, pleasure. 
Well, Jeremy Kimball has been our guest for this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. We've been discussing his recent sermon from Exodus, chapters 15 and 16, and you can access each Sunday message, including this one, and each podcast episode by visiting gracecedarville.org on the World Wide Web and clicking the Media tab. And you can also access each podcast episode using your favorite podcast app. We encourage you to share your questions and comments with us each week, as I said before, by emailing them to contact at gracecedarville.org. That's contact at gracecedarville.org. We ask you to join us next week. Tim Cockrell plans to be back with us to continue our discussion of God's Word in Exodus chapter 17. And until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this week's episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.